What's up, everybody? This is Radam and Aaron from What Makes Sense, and you're listening to our song Groundhog Day on Punks and Pubs. If you guys enjoy the song, we also have a music video that is streaming up on YouTube. You can also follow us on our social media at WMSNY. That can be on Instagram and Facebook and also on Twitter at WMSNY1. And um, if you're listening to the episode and you enjoy the content, definitely go follow and subscribe to uh, Punks and Pubs on any streaming platform that you're using. In the meantime, hopefully we'll see you guys soon. Enjoy the episode. For what it's worth, I don't carry me. I let go, moved on, felt better days. I'm not bad, I'm not sad, I'm not glad. I'm just on to a new day. And it's looking so much better these days. There's always something on my mind, but I never know.
Hello and welcome to the Punks in Pubs podcast. My name is Liam Bird and this is the first time I have the opportunity to say this. Happy New Year. I hope your 2021 has started off well. Um, I was going to start this podcast talking about actually how shit 2021 really has started. Because in the UK, if you live in the UK, we are in the second national lockdown. It doesn't look like we're going to get out of it until mid-March. And there's because of this new variant of COVID that's been discovered that seems to spread twice as fast as the other COVID. Typical Brits trying to do something that will take over the world quicker. Uh, But I thought, fuck that. Let's talk about positive things. Let's talk about vaccines. They are being rolled out in the UK and hopefully globally. Uh, We'll hopefully be able to hug each other once again towards the mid or end of the year. Go to shows uh, like be able to cram in a pit together oh i missed that uh trump is out the white house not out of politics but hopefully in jail soon enough good things come to those who wait uh also we've got loads of good albums uh, that are going to come soon enough from no effects against me every time i die tiger jaw the hold steady the offspring garbage maximo park bronx and future guests of this podcast chubby and the gang But most importantly, this podcast, we are back and I hope to have some fun guests for you guys moving forward in 2021 from the world of punk rock, from the typical band interviews that we do, as well as from the world of film, TV, the charity sector, breweries, labels. If it has a connection to punk and they interest me, then I will do my darnest to make sure I bring them to your attention in this audio format for at least an hour and a bit so we can all have a bit of escapism in this time of fucked upness and that's precisely what i've got for you for episode 70 of punks and pubs episode 70 sees me staring down my mac at a woman i've wanted to chat to for a little while her name is Kristen santos bigsby you may not have heard of Kristen, but i'm pretty sure you would heard of her empire Kristen is the co-creator of mabel syndrome if you don't know what mabel syndrome is fuck you go find it out uh, but i will tell you anyway it is a blog it is a podcast it is a well-being hub it is a place that puts women of punk rock front and center so i reached out to Kristen to see if she wanted to be a guest on the podcast back in the end of uh, 2020 but Kristen suggested that we do a collaboration episode not something i've ever done before and not something if i'm honest was something i wanted to do uh, my reasoning for that well, you'll find out in this episode but i I thought fuck it if i wanted to do a collaboration episode why not do it with a woman who i know is really good at interviewing is someone who i have the utmost admiration for so uh we did it we did a collaboration episode and this is it uh, we recorded this back when trump was president and we do touch on that so i apologize for making you all have to live that trauma once again this is something a little different but i hope you do enjoy it i'll be back after our chat to waffle on a little bit more but until then enjoy this this is Kristen from mabel syndrome and myself of punks in pubs for episode 70 of the punks in pubs podcast i met a sunday 
that was yesterday The girl I knew from 1990 Your eyes are hazel, her name is Mabel I kissed her once and now I'm able To walk the mile, crack a smile She makes me wanna kiss all the ladies of the puppy dogs She makes me feel The bomb. So do you have a drink? I do. I do. Okay, so do I. So I'll, I, so we'll talk about what we're drinking. Well, actually, uh, I, I've stolen that line from your podcast because oh, usually, nice. usually this is punks and pubs. And if you were in the UK, if I was in America, we'd be doing this in a bar. Unfortunately, Hold that yeah, COVID has <laughs> fucked that up. Um, okay, so I'm just gonna, I'm just going, gonna go in because, um, go yeah. for it. So uh, as we speak, I'm in the UK. We're in our second lockdown at the moment because you know COVID. So we are still not in a pub, even though it's 2021. And I was lied to when I was told that everything will be fine in 2021 but i'm staring down the screen at a at a, uh, a woman who has just watched her president well probably not her president but watched the president become impeached twice again 2021 is just going to be 2020 but just in a different kind of glitter. But an extension exactly okay. glittery shit is the way i'm <laughs> gonna see it um, so the person you just heard the voice there is i, I don't, i'm dyslexic so apologize if i get your name wrong but it's christine santos bigsby Kristen. Kristen. yeah Oh, silly Americans. Uh, <laughs> no, that's my fault. That's my dyslexia fault, so I apologize. Christine. No, that's okay. How are you? You okay? I know we've already spoke about this already off air, or like before I hit record, but let's pretend that we haven't been polite. Right. How are you? It's been a weird day. Yeah, I kind of had the day off, so I've been watching the news today, and I've been watching the president get impeached for the second time, which is really fucking weird. I mean, um, he's the best at something. <laughs> That's true. That's true. He's the best at being impeached and being a piece of shit. And and murdering as well. I mean, let's face it. I mean, we, we kind of, I don't want to go down this hole straight away. But <laughs> let's face it, he's murdered nearly 4,000 people, 400,000 people so far by being yeah. an inept fat fuck shit. I didn't want to bring yeah. his weight into it, but he deserves it. Yes, he does. He's He's terrible. And I think we have maybe eight days until Biden is inaugurated. So mm. we're just looking forward to that and getting some semblance of normalcy back. At least you have like a, a light at the end of the tunnel. In the UK, we've just got this melting snowman that is Boris Johnson, who unfortunately has got another four years. So uh, yeah, we will be withered and older than I think you young, sprightly Americans with your 90-year-old president. But... Uh, <laughs> He's better. At least. I mean, yeah. I mean, let's face it. I, like, fucking syphilis is better than what you've got right now. So, this has gone down a very horrible Listen, turn. Let's early go back turn. to what are you drinking, shall we? Yes, yes. Uh, because I was going to say we I, we normally do this podcast in a pub and because of COVID, not doing that opportunity. And I do listen to your podcast, and I know that's something that you kind of open up with. So uh, I have a uh, a rum and ginger. That, that's kind of what I'm rocking at the moment, even with a bit of lime because I'm a classy bitch. Oh, that yeah. is fancy. Yeah. We have a name for those. What the fuck is that called? A rum and ginger ale. Oh, a Moscow mule. Is that is that what they're yes, called? Yes, yes, that's yeah, what yeah, I'm yeah. thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that that's too communist for this country, so we, we won't we won't call it a Moscow mule. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's just a rum and ginger with a lot li- with a twist of lime yeah the fact i've got lime in it I, i'll be banned from britain any form of flavor fuck we're the kings of bland we, we yeah. should we should be putting lime in in our drinks do you like shandies no i mean oh, shand- yeah, i associate those with shandy's just a poor man's cocktail that's true hmm. that's true no fan of shandy what about yourself? <laughs> what about yourself? Are you drinking anything? So I have a beer. I don't know if you can see. It's called uh, Day Haze, and it's just a fun. It's just a fun little um, session IPA. Not sponsoring mm-hmm. the podcast, by the way. Day Haze. Uh, there's other. Yeah, they're not. If they want to, by all means, <laughs> we accept sponsors. By all means, so cheers. Cheers to you. Thank you very much. Yeah, this is your first crossover episode. Yeah, I don't. I don't do interviews if i'm honest i've been asked to do podcasts before and i've always turned them down mainly because i don't really like talking i know that sounds weird for someone who does a podcast but i i'm not i like asking the questions and not really answering them and that's not because i i feel like i have anything to hide i just don't feel i'm a good storyteller i we'll probably get into this in a sec but um i i come from about a, um, a background of radio um, I used to work in produ- I used to be a producer, so I'm the guy who's behind the mic. And I've all I always kind of watched in awe of these people who are really good at their jobs. And and it's weird just saying people who are good at their jobs who are just speaking. And I think a lot of people take it for granted that radio presenters like anyone they go I know anyone could do that. And then you'll find once someone's in front of a mic, it's a lot harder than than what you what you actually think it is. I've never really been the one who wanted to go in front of a mic. And I yeah. just happened to fall into doing this podcast. So um, yeah, I would mirror that answer too. I think I'm I'm better at asking the questions than I am at answering them. And I'm a terrible storyteller. I'll just like give the punchline, and then I'll be like, "Wait, no, I totally <laughs> fucked that up." Like, well, I mean, so we are setting this up to be a shit podcast. Essentially, is what we're both saying <laughs> is none of us can talk well, but you'll get some cracking questions, but just really <laughs> piss poor answers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's punk rock right yeah exactly the first thing i kind of wanted to touch on is that there are some very small similarities between our podcasts apart from being excellent um we we both um have stolen uh music for our intros you obviously have mabel by goldfinger um yes. i have cheap beer by fiddler i mean have have goldfinger ever got in contact with you and going where, where's our no, royalties no never but I, I reached out to John Feldman and asked him if we could use that song. And I was really excited. It was before the podcast even started, I think. And I was super excited. And I reached out to him. I, I Somehow I got his personal email and I got his work email. And I never heard back. So I took that as a yes. <laughs> yeah. Then I've, I've asked. Right. Yeah. I asked for permission. It's yeah. permission by omission. Exactly. I yeah. mean, I must admit, I I reached out Fiddler as well, and they just they just said no to the interview. But in the in the interview request, I did state, "I am using your intro. Hope you don't mind." So I'm just presuming death line with it. Yeah, then it's okay. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's and I way. also play music at the end of the podcast, and I've never heard anything about that. But it's not. It's usually just a band. I would think that they would want their song out there, right? It's usually yeah. a single, and I don't I, know. I would think if anything, it helps. I, whenever I'm interviewing, if it's if, if it is a band, I I do usually break. I I use their music in about thirty second chunks to kind of break up a chat because this podcast is usually about an hour, hour fifteen, and I think listening to someone for that long um, that long time it can kind of 
you, you start focusing out and I think once you get kind of like a punch of music, it kind of re-engages your brain again and you're, you're kind of engaging with the podcast again. I must admit, I kind of stole that from a podcast called Adam Buxton's podcast called oh. Ramble Chat. And he he's um, a, a comedian in the UK who's, who was one of the first British people to get into podcasting and making quite a career out of it. And he always kind of made his own little jingles and always quite stupid but funny. And I always found that quite smart. So whenever I when I started doing punks in pubs, I was like, I'm stealing that. And so normally you're in a pub. I am, yeah. I, in a pub or uh, in a vicinity of a pub. Some people don't drink, so we'll go to a cafe. I'm trying to think where the weirdest one. Um, we went to Punk Rock Holiday in Slovenia. Mm-hmm. And um, we spoke to a band on a lilo uh, in the lake. That was quite fun. A bit bit scary for like my... floating on the lake? I'm floating on the lake, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was a bit scary for my uh, equipment. But um, it's amazing what a bag of rice can do to fix electrical equipment. Yeah, what about you? What, what, where's been like a peculiar setting for you to do an interview? Oh, my goodness. I have a good one. So it was our very first interview. And Jessica and I, it was also Jessica and I decided to start Mabel Syndrome together, but we had never met in person. We had only met online and through talking and, and we had been friends for quite a while. But I had this idea for Mabel Syndrome and I asked her to join it. And she said, she, you know, she was down. So it was my very first time meeting her. I flew all the way from Boston to uh, Vancouver, British Columbia wow. to meet her. That's where she is. So so we do the podcast together, but I'm in Boston and she's in, uh, now she's on Vancouver Island, uh, which is the far northern western tip of Canada. So we're pretty far from each other, but I flew out there to meet her and we scored an interview with Nicola of the band Milling Collin. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big fan of Millencolin. And so for him to say that he would do it was awesome, right? And I don't know, I was going to ask you this, the logistics of setting up the interview. I like to do the interviews in person. Like yes. I would rather be looking at the person, having a conversation and that kind of thing. But the logistics in terms of finding a quiet place where there's not going to be all this background noise. So I was kind of curious about how you deal with that, with the pub and all the background noise and all that stuff. If I'm honest, I embrace it because the idea of of punk is that it is chaotic, it is kind of DIY. Sure. And, and I really wanted to have that element in the podcast because there's hundreds of podcasts out there that are set in a studio setting or doing it down the line. Like I, I resisted doing this um, for as long as possible before I realized I can't. Like the, the COVID is sticking around. I, yeah. and if I want to continue to do the podcast, I have to do it via Zoom. But like you said, I, I think you kind of, it really is lost in the, the one-to-one interaction because you kind of, you feed off each other's um, body. If, yeah, if they're quite, energy. yeah. So if they've got their hands up and they're clearly not engaging, it's up to you to relax them and, and get them engaged. Whereabouts, yeah. I think via Zoom, it's hard to make them relax or it's hard for them, or for, for, for me personally, to be able to connect with them. And I, I find it quite difficult kind of getting back to your original question uh i i don't mind i i enjoy it i mean obviously there's things that i don't want and that's like a loud fan or an air conditioning unit or something like that but usually i just go to i try and find an empty booth um and we'll, we'll sit down we'll have a chat and we'll have a beer or that's cool that's cool that you embrace it and make it kind of part of the the background noise and that kind of thing but so we we try to find a quiet spot and i always find it a little it can be difficult to find to find the time i've had to wait for people mm-hmm. yeah. a lot you know like the the pr person says oh yeah they'll be ready for you at three o'clock and then three o'clock goes by three thirty goes by four o'clock goes by 
Um, so that, that can be kind of a pain, but with Nicola, again, it was our very first interview and, and we said, um, they were playing that night and he said he had this break during the day, like, let's say like four o'clock and Jessica and I raced around the city to try to find a quiet spot. We tried to find a library that would let us record in it. We tried, we were staying in a hotel and we asked the hotel if they had like a business center or we were even going to record in the gym. There was like this little gym at the hotel. We were going to record there. We were just trying to find any quiet spot. And our time is slowly ticking away. Like Nicola's going to be there at four o'clock and it's 3.55 and we don't have a place to record. So we set up a video camera. We also didn't have any audio recording equipment. All we had was a video camera. So we set it up in our hotel room and Nicola meets us in the lobby of the hotel. And we're like, yeah, we're going to go record up in our hotel room. Like totally sketchy, totally weird. He doesn't know who we are. He doesn't know anything about us. And we're inviting him up to our room uh, for this interview. And so the poor guy walks in the room and he sees this video camera set up on the bed, pointed towards the bar. We had a bar in our room, which was awesome. Um, and we're like, yeah, just come have some beers and hang out. And I, I, I don't know how... I don't know why he did it. He should have just turned around (laughs) right then and there and been like, you girls are crazy. I am not doing this, but he ended up staying. And it was probably one of our best interviews ever. We, um, we transcribed it. So it's a written interview on our website um, because he, he requested that because his English isn't great. Mm -hmm. So he wanted, you know, where he may have taken some time to come up with an answer and that kind of thing. He wanted us to just transcribe it and write it out. Um, But he was there for close to two hours and we had an awesome conversation, um, but that was definitely the weirdest spot. Uh, I've had women that I've interviewed come up to my hotel room and done it there, but I've never had a man do it if it was just me. Yeah, you know, like obviously there's there's all these logistics too. If you're a woman and trying trying to find a quiet spot, it's like I have this quiet hotel room, but that's not an appropriate location. So, uh, <laughs> so we've had some. We've had some funny, I've gone on the, I've gone on the bus. I've gone in the van, the hot van with no air conditioning, you know, that the band is touring around in anything, trying to find a quiet spot. podcast i used to work on a show in the uk called the bbc radio one punk rock show with this guy called mike davies and actually you actually know his um i've done an interview with her myself ex-wife which is stacy d from bad cop bad cop mike sent me to rebellion festival in blackpool and he wanted me to go and interview certain bands and one of the bands was uh, blag the ripper from the dwarfs I've never met Blag in my life. I just know, I'm, I like I love the Dwarves. They're one of the bands I used to love when I was a kid skateboarding, and I met him outside of this really shitty B and B in Blackpool. If you ever been to Blackpool, um, I've been told it's like Jersey Shore, but a little bit oh. more grayer. Um, so that's oh, kind no. of Blackpool. Like you come into the town and it just smells of deep fried horribleness. 
the people I'm sure are fine. So yeah, I met Blag in this hotel, uh, outside the hotel, and he was coming back from the venue after a sound check. Came in, went, hey, you Liam? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, let's go up to the hotel. I'm like, oh, that's fine. So we came through the reception, and uh, there was just this little old lady on the reception, like, minding her own business. And Blag just turns to her and just goes, this is Liam. He's from the BBC. BBC people like to rape people. So if you hear rape, um, can you just come get me? Because I'm probably being raped. And like, I never oh, met no. the fucker in the world. Like, I've never <laughs> met him in my life. And that was the first interaction I had with him. Um, wow. And well, all... that's a nice breaker. Right? But then I automatically knew like anything was on the table. I could like we can talk about anything, and I, and I, and I've and I've spoken to him for the podcast since, and yeah. it's kind of just nice knowing that like knowing a person's personality before you start pressing record and going because I yeah. think that's a, a huge part of of kind of getting a good interview because yeah. one one thing that I think Mabel syndrome does very well is that your ability to have a conversation. And that might sound silly, but there's a lot of podcasts that do that quite poorly. For you then, how have you evolved into being able to bring people in and have a good conversation? Not an interview, but a good conversation. Hmm. That's a good question. How I don't know. I just, I, I'm really intrigued by people. And so I tend to go for the question. Like I tend to go for what might be a little... I try not to to be too off-putting. I'm a counselor by trade. Mm-hmm. So I think I can read people pretty well. And I'm used to asking questions. That's my job is to ask questions. I'm, a, I'm basically a therapist. So I think getting people to open up is just something that I like to do because I genuinely care about people and I genuinely am just intrigued by them. Like what makes them tick? What What's their background? How did their band get started? You know, and then and then splintering off from that, right? It's not just like, one question to the next question to the next question on your list. It's actually having a conversation. Mm. Um, and so thank you for saying that because you, you're particularly good at that as well. Uh, and it's not easy. You have to be, you have to be mindful of your questions, but also mindful of the conversation that's happening. Yeah. Have, have you been in a situation whereabouts you've wanted to touch on a subject that you know the other person really doesn't want to talk about or is not comfortable talking about? And I'm happy to give an example for, for me, but for yourself, have, have you been in that situation and how have you overcome to get that question through and get an answer? Yeah, there's been a couple situations. So we had, uh, I want to hear yours too after this, but yeah, we had uh, Jesse Michaels on the podcast of Operation Ivy and, you know, he had he told us that he doesn't really say yes to interviews very often, but we were the first women that ever asked him. And so he was particularly intrigued uh, to do our podcast and it was awesome. And that was probably the one I was most nervous for too. He's such an intimidating guy, but uh, we made a rookie mistake with that one. We asked him before the podcast even got started, kind of like during our banter, you know, before you hit record, we said, is anything off limits? (laughs) And he said, yeah, I don't want to talk about Operation Ivy. I mean, what's and the point, so, mate? <laughs> I know. I know. Like, Common Rider's a great band. Classics of Love is a great band. But we had four pages of questions about Operation Ivy and Gilman Street and all this shit that's, like, super fascinating. Um, so I think we worked a few questions in there, but mm. we had to be mindful of, okay, is he just going to completely shut us down if we start asking questions about this, you know? So you have to be mindful of that. Uh, and the other one is that... Um, I don't think he, he didn't give off the impression that he didn't want to talk about it, I, but I kind of had to suss it out a little bit with um, Dan Aid, who 
is a guitar player for uh, Authority Zero. You know, he only has one hand. So he plays guitar with one of his hands is gone. And he has, he and his dad came up with a system where he has a, a paint stirrer and that's what he strums the guitar with. And I just find this, he's, he's an amazing guitar player and I find this completely fascinating. And I had this conversation with my partner, Jessica, beforehand. And I was like, do I bring up, do I bring this up? Do I not bring this up? You know, I've never heard him talk about it in an interview before, but I want to commend him because he's a terrific guitar player with one hand. Like, Mm. how do you, you know, that's, that's the epitome of ignoring the elephant in the room kind of thing (laughs) when you're talking to somebody. So I did, I asked him and he was very forthcoming and very open about it and very, very sweet. Had he been much a a more reserved guy and maybe kind of, that was one that I did in person too. So it was easy to, to understand pretty quickly that he was a very, very nice guy. And even if he didn't want to talk about it, he would have been polite about it. So it was one I kind of had to, to feel out a little bit. Yeah. Um, But what about you? When did you have to kind of feel it out? Well, mine was actually just before Christmas. I spoke to Jake Colossus of the casualties um, and um, I don't know if you know, but the casualties were well, the former lead singer was accused of doing some horrendous things and they had a lot of tours cancelled. And I, I, I feel like that there's part of me that feels like podcasts like ours should be asking those difficult questions because if they don't get asked, if they don't get asked, uh, asked then when are they? And I, yeah. the thing that I loved, uh, the thing that I love about punk is that kind of nothing is off limits. Like as long as you're respectful and you ask it in the right way, you can ask it. Um, and I don't think any other genre of music actually legitimately has that really in kind of like the ethos of, of the music. So with Jake, I um, I did it in a way that I thought was, was respectful. So I turned it back on myself. I kind of said, I don't know how... I don't know the situation of how much you knew, but for for me, if I was stood on stage for the past 20 years playing with a person who I thought was essentially my brother, like he is everything to me, and then all, all of a sudden he is accused of these horrible acts, me personally, I don't know how I would act. How did you feel when that happened to you? So it's kind of like turning it on myself, but also then asking the question and trying to get an understanding from it. And to be fair to him, he he gave me the stock answer that I thought he would. But I appreciate the fact that he took the time to answer it and then continued the interview afterwards. Um, I think if you listen to the interview, I think you can tell the moment I asked the question and then he does turn a little bit. But he's not rude. He's not horrible. Yeah. And he continues the conversation, which, um, yeah, which I really appreciated him yeah. doing and the same with blag actually when i when i interviewed blag I, I felt more comfortable doing this with blag but talking about like miso- misogynistic and sexism in 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 his music and and uh, people maybe taking it the wrong way because i i don't think blag is misogynistic or sexist sexist as far as i know of him but his music is meant to be taken with a pinch of salt kind of like a comedian a comedian doesn't believe in rape but they yeah, make a joke about it exactly so it's kind of having those conversations and um and getting by the way i see it is just ask it and ask it towards the end of the interview because then if they stop it you've already got your stuff that's that's a good point yeah have you ever had to win someone over Yes, yeah. So, um I I interviewed Marky Ramone um oh, wow. in London and uh, he was very standoffish. 
at the beginning because obviously I want to talk about the Ramones. He yeah. doesn't give a fuck about the Ramones, really, apart yeah. from he's still using the Ramones name. So um, we were talking about the Ramones, realizing he's given me just very short answers. So then I started talking about something that I knew he was interested in, and that was cooking. He's got a pasta sauce. So we just started talking about cooking. And then through cooking, he opened up about everything I wanted to talk about with the Ramones because he just relaxed and we was chilled. So it's kind of like finding that ground where about you, you, you make them feel comfortable. And then you're yeah. going to get a better podcast or you're going to get a better interview out of them. And I think that's like one of the things I've definitely learned from doing this over the years is my presenting style and how I've gone about doing that. And, and would you say the same for yourself? Have you, have you found like you are a lot more natural now in, in kind of going into a conversation and kind of having a structure of how you want your podcast or interview to go? Yeah, for sure. I do it. I do a shit ton of research, yes, which you said you, you said you do too. <laughs> yeah. I'm just it, not talented it, enough. I'm not talented enough to be one of those people who goes in the room and then goes, here's all my knowledge that I've got in my head about everything you've ever done. I'm not that guy. I'm just not that right. guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to be, I want to be taken seriously. I do think as a woman doing this, there's a, there's a little added twist that that I feel and maybe it's just on my end but I feel like I'm doing this for women and I need to be taken seriously and I need to show uh these people that I'm coming from a place that I'm serious about this and when I was doing interviews in in person the reason I asked you if you have to win people over is because I felt often I had to win people over I think because when they're on the road they get interviews from the local newspaper the local radio station, people, they get interviewed by people that have no idea who they are or or what they're doing. So when their tour manager brings me up to their green room and says, here's Kristen, she's here to do an interview. I've gotten the impression a few times that they assume that I have no idea who they are or what they're doing. And so when I come with pointed questions. I've done my research. I know what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm actually a, a big fan. Um, I think that comes through and I, and I have kind of one people, uh, there's, there's been some notable times where the conversation takes a twist and all of a sudden I have their respect and we're having a great conversation. And I've also had some people, some artists, <laughs> it's kind of like what women, women often do on dates where we're like, tell our friends to call us a half an hour in and like <laughs> pretend that there's an emergency. I've had artists do that. Their, their tour manager comes in and is like, um, I don't think he'll mind me saying this. Uh, Frank Turner did that. You know, his tour manager came in and said, Hey Frank, you know, is everything okay? Cause you have something I need you to attend to. And Frank was like, no, no, it's good. Everything's good here. You know, yeah, because yeah. I'm sure he gets a lot of shitty interviews. I've I've been fortunate enough that I I've, I've known Frank through the podcast and also through my old work and I I I don't think this is an overstatement. I've I've never known a man to give so much time to people doing interviews even if there are poor interviews. He will sit there and and answer their questions because I think for him it means a lot that people are taking up their time to talk to him. Yeah. And, and I think that's important. Sorry, I cut you I cut you off in your story. No, no, no. That's that was my point. It's just, you know, he he's a super nice guy, but I think on the road too, there's so much going on. And there's something to be said for the Zoom interviews. I think I don't like it as much as doing them in person, but I do feel like the people are a little bit more engaged or a little bit 
they have more time and they're not sometimes on the road, you're catching them in between um, band practice, sound check, and they're really hungry and they want to get a bite to eat before the show. And somehow they're going to try to squeeze in your interview in, in the midst there, right? So it can be a bit of a challenge. I, I bring gifts. I bring food gifts. I've realized this, that, 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 that they're hungry. So I'll do a little bit of research. And if they're ever talking about food, I'll bring a bit of food for them. And, and like, Oh, that's brilliant. Speaking of that, you just had Pat, um, Pat Thetic from Anti-Flag on your podcast. And yes. I brought him vegan chocolate chip cookies one time because I know that they they were in Providence and there's not a lot of vegan restaurants down there. So I was like, I know you're going to be hungry and wanting some vegan food. So I brought him some vegan chocolate chip cookies. Oh, that's so sweet. Pat was actually the first ever guest I had on the podcast. He was um, back in episode one. And then I got him back when we did a political special. I did a series of political specials for the US election. And yeah. um, he, he very graciously came on because last time we didn't talk about politics. And at the end of that podcast, the first episode, we're like, we should we should talk about politics next time. He's like, yeah, definitely. And then I yeah. thought there's no better person to talk about the US election. <laughs> Than Pat. No better person. He he's amazing. And he he was one that that this this kind of showed my evolution too as an interviewer because I just I just interviewed him fairly recently. And he caught me off guard right at the very beginning. He he turned it on me yes. and said, Why are you interviewing me and not a woman? You know, you're a woman podcast. Why are you interviewing me and not all the women artists that are out there? And had this been one of my first interviews, I would have totally freaked out, I think. And um, but I was able to hold my composure, give him a good answer. Um, and he I think was he seemed totally cool with my answer. And we moved on and had a very long interview. That one was funny, too, because at the end we were recording in a bathroom at a venue and someone knocked on the door. And we were wrapping up the interview anyways, but, you know, just had like a couple, maybe one more question and someone knocks on the door and we're like, can you hold on just one, one more minute? And the guy goes, no, I really need to throw up. (laughs) (laughs) And so Pat and I were like, okay, well, that's the end of the interview then. And we ran out of the bathroom so the guy could go in there and puke. I mean, that kind of fits into the, what's, what's the anti-flag song, uh, drink something puke i can't remember the name of the song see this is why this is why i need notes because otherwise my brain goes to fuck and i'm like you know nothing liam I'm so cool. I can drink so much. I can drink more than you. Take that pump. Take that pump. Take that pump. Take that pump. From my understanding, your kind of fall into podcasts came from blogging. That's kind of where Mabel Syndrome came from. So, was that something that you were doing before? Like, blogging writing about music or was it something that you, i know you've spoken about it a lot that you and your friend jessica basically came together through social media but were you doing anything prior to that in in music or, or just writing about music no i've always i've always been a writer just just personally i love to write and i went to grad school so i had to write a ton of papers i, I feel like i'm a decent writer but um 
No, we had never done anything in the music scene, period. We had zero experience with the business part of music, with the personal part of music. We had no, no part of any of it. So, yeah, we just wanted to create this platform for women to be able to write about music if they wanted to. Um, but neither of us had any experience with it at all. We were two moms. We were two moms <laughs> living, doing our mom shit and working our jobs and wanted to find more women that were interested in punk rock and, and decided to start Mabel syndrome. And, uh, we had no idea so what we were doing. And how did you book your first guest? I mean, I mean, you just, you just spoke about your first guest, but how did you book them? Like, how did you, did you know how to do that? Or was it kind of like find an email address and just ask yeah, it was find an email address and ask. The whole first season was find an email address and ask. Although I, I do have to say we had we had a few, um, they happened to be men, but uh, friends of ours who, one was Jay Stone of uh, Dying Scene. So he runs Dying Scene. Mm-hmm. And the other is my buddy Sal Madrano, who is in the band Rebuilder. And does a lot of the merch and behind the scenes for Mighty Mighty Boston's and Dropkick Murphys and Boston, different Boston bands. And so they had a ton of connections. And they were the ones that anytime I wanted to give up, anytime I needed a contact, they went out on a limb and would sit and would reach out to their contacts and say, Hey, my friend Kristen has this new thing. She wants to interview you. So it really was. Uh, these men behind the scenes that believed in us, that gave us their contacts, that told us, you know, that we should go for this or go for that. And and it was actually Danny Thompson of the band Face to Face who told us that we should start a podcast. And we were like, no way. We had no intention of doing a podcast. It was just going to be writing the blogs and doing interviews on our website. And so when he suggested we do a podcast, it was also just like, you know, at first we didn't want to, but then we kind of warmed up to the idea. And it was just nice to know that somebody in punk rock believed in us and, and wanted us to take it to the next level. Like, you're doing great writing blogs and doing interviews. I think you should take it to the next step and do a podcast. Um, and it really took him believing in us to give us the courage, I think, to do that. So big props to them. Because you built like this kind of seen within a scene of women who are like you said writing blogs i know you've got like a wellness bit on the podcast as well uh, on the podcast on the website that you have um you you bring in other women to kind of take over the duties of presenting as well for the podcast i mean for me this has always kind of been a one-man band and i've um I've, i've had people come in and edit for me because they've asked because they want to do a bit of editing or they just want to be part of the podcast because they enjoy the podcast and just want to um, support where they can. But I've always kind of had an element of I need to control this. And I think that's just my own personality for yourself. How is that something that you have and how do you let go if it is? Oh, that's a really good question. <laughs> because It's almost like this is a good podcast as long as I'm not answering the questions. <laughs> almost. 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 It's been a learning curve. So we started out, you know, as women too, one of the reasons we started this is because we didn't want to be called groupies anymore. You know, if we were staying after the show to get something signed or staying after the show to say hi, or going to the show early and, and 
having a drink at the bar with someone that happened to be in the band or, or a friend of ours or whatever. We are, it's always like the girls are groupies. Mm-hmm. And that was something that really annoyed us. And so one of the things we've had to fight against since day one, and we've taken a very hard stand on is that we are professional and we don't, um, you know, to each their own. If someone wants to do something in their private life, by all means, totally fine, whatever. But when we're there doing an interview, we're there on a professional basis. And then it's very, very important to us to earn the respect of the labels, the PR people, the band, the people behind the scenes, right? I mean, there's so many people there. And if we're representing something, uh, we want to make sure that we're there in a professional capacity. And we had a couple women work for us early on, right at the beginning stages that crossed those boundaries, I guess I'll say. And we did have to rein it back in a little bit and kind of decide how and when. And then we had we had one woman also, you know, I have a relationship with some of the record labels now, some of their PR people. And I got an email from the PR person at Fat Records. And she said, hey, this person reached out on behalf of Mabel Syndrome and wants an interview with somebody. And, and I said, I've never heard of that person ever. So we've had that happen too, where women say, oh, I'm part of Mabel syndrome. I want to interview Fat Mike or whatever. And it's like, no, you're not part of us or, you know, so we, we've had to, we've had to do a lot of relationship building, I guess I would call it. So whether when I went to punk rock bowling, I met a ton of people and I was able to put a face to the name and let them know who I am and what I'm all about and, and that I'm a serious person and taking this all, you know, to heart. And that's been a big part of it is that relationship building, like proving yourself in a way. Do you feel like you had to do that at all? Um, I, like a typical man no uh, <laughs> well no uh, in, a, in a different way if i'm honest um i like i said i come from a background of um radio so my contacts were through um through the punk show at the bbc but i had left that world behind because the, the show got cancelled and um i i didn't know what i was going to do with my life and i went away and i ended up making factual documentaries and I've always tried to incorporate punk into the work that I do. and But I was away from punk rock, for, like working in the music, for about five or six years. And I kind of came back to it because, it's not really your question, but I kind of came back to it because of depression, if I'm honest. And mm-hmm. um, I found I had to prove it to myself that I could do this because I was at such a low place that, if I'm honest, I was at a period where about everything I did, I felt like I was failing in and mm-hmm. I really wanted to do something that I that I know I'm passionate about. I know I've got knowledge I've got knowledge of the scene and I know how to create something just from the work I was doing, not necessarily presenting, but I knew how to create a podcast. So I I was kind of I had to prove it to myself and and that's something one of the reasons why I did the podcast. So I I never had to prove it to to people or to anyone else it was very much kind of very much personal why do you think then that mabel syndrome has hit a nerve because you're not the first female or female podcast or blog like there's there's been others why do you think that your kind of scene your scene within a scene has really kind of struck that nerve and and you've got this following yeah that's a good question too i don't know i think 
there, there weren't many, to be honest. Um, there weren't many out there. I know, um, oh, what's her name? Denise Borders of Punk World Views. She was doing some, she's done a lot of amazing work with interviews and, and that kind of thing. And, and so I feel like I learned a lot from watching her interviews. But I think the community aspect of it is a big part of it. And the there's kind of the two components of it. There's the community, the Mabel Syndrome community. And then there's kind of our interviews that we do in our mm-hmm. podcast. And both come together and overlap in, in different ways. But getting women involved in the community has been maybe one of the more unique aspects of it. And that's what keeps people, that's what keeps people involved is like, Oh, who are we going to hear from today? And and anyone that has a point of view about punk rock or about their personal life or whatever they want to share is more than welcome to write, you know, work for Mabel syndrome or write for us. Like we don't, we don't police that really. Um, and so being that it's an open community and people feel a part of it, maybe that is kind of the difference. I don't know. Um, and also just stick with it, intuitiveness, right? Like just the ability to stay with something. I think there's a lot of people that have these great ideas and they're fun ideas. And maybe you're at a show with your best friend and you're like, we should create a festival or let's put on a show next weekend or let's do a podcast or whatever it might be. And you have all these awesome ideas when you're drunk out with your friends, but to actually do it and to actually stick with it. Um, we've been doing this now for six years. So it doesn't feel like six years. It feels like two years. I guess that's a good thing. So let's kind of talk about punk and how you kind of came into this world. Did you grow up in like a music family where about some music was being played all the time? Or was it something that you kind of discovered away from home? I'm not saying like punk was played in the house, but like music in general. Right. Yeah. No music. Well, I don't know. I guess like musicals and things like that as a kid. Yeah, I guess I was really into music as a kid, but it definitely wasn't something where my parents were playing a lot of records or playing music in the house. It really wasn't a musical house at all. Um, But I got into punk rock when I was in high school and just really fell in love with it, like instantaneously. It was something I heard it and I needed all of it. I needed to consume all of it. And I, it's just never left me. It's just been one of those things that I, it feels like a big, like a part of my life that I've never, I, I maybe lost sight of it a tiny bit when I was, um, when I had newborns, when I had really young children, uh, I still went to shows when I could and that kind of thing, but you lose, you lose touch a, t- a little bit. It's mm. just kind of natural. But um, other than that, it's just always been a big part of my life and something that has brought me a lot of joy and a lot of friendships and a lot of connections. And yeah, it's just, I don't know the continuity of it. Like you can always, you can always trust and and depend on punk rock, right? Like it's always going to be there. It always cheers me up. It always makes me feel good. How did you discover punk rock? I discovered punk by going to a record store and um, seeing, what was the album? It was, uh, it was no effects album. Um, I think it's having petting zoo whereabouts mm-hmm. the farmer's got the the, the sheep and it's like yeah legs open he's and, molesting sheep exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and i was about 15 and i <laughs> i asked like what's this and then the record guy was like oh they're they're an american punk band and, I'm like, and I, I i really naive i was like am i allowed to listen to this because i'm not, i didn't look like a punk i didn't act like a punk like yeah. i th- i knew of punk but it was never something that was in my world because i never i my my home wasn't with music it was a very gray 
environment. So I like it, I just kind of felt like this isn't for me. I'm not allowed to listen to this. Like, and then he's like, "Do you do you want to listen to it?" I'm like, "Yeah, please." And he put it on, and I instantly fell in love with it. I was I was like, how fast it was, um, how energetic it was. I loved how Mike's vocals were out of key, and he couldn't really sing properly. Which, by the way, is if someone has to do a podcast on fat mike's vocals from being able to not not being able to sing to all of a sudden now being able to sing quite well uh someone needs to look into that but it's not going to be me by the way (laughs) but yeah it was it was no effects and then listening to no effects i i um i basically looked around like the rest the, the rest of the record store and asking other recommendations i used to go back every couple of weeks when i had um some paper round money and and i would spend my money on that and that's how i kind of fell into it and i had no one else i, I lived in a shitty town no one else really listened to punk people li- listened to a bit of rock and metal but no one else listened to punk and then i went to a place in nottingham called rock city which is a uh, a a quite a famous um uh, music venue and i went there and i discovered that there was hundreds of punks and that that i could find friends and and yeah and it kind of opened this whole new world to me that this isn't an over overstatement if it wasn't for punk i i generally believe i i would be in prison or dead because the where where my family without getting too deep into it i come from a home that was full of drugs drink violence and this world was somewhere where i could escape to and i could go to and i was surrounded by people who were kind and nice and wanted to talk about me and and i found that really weird like why do you want to talk about me why do you why do you want to talk to me and i just yeah i just discovered this world of punk and i've never let go of it i i've always kind of grasped onto it with both hands because I'm very fearful that someone will take it away from me. And I know that sounds ridiculous. No one's going to take it away from me. But it's always been that safety blanket for me. And yeah. and it's weird telling that to someone who doesn't know anything about punk because I think if, if you're from an outside world listening to punk, they're like, that's just shouting or it's just fast. Like, what the fuck is this? I'm like, it's not just the music. It's everything that's around it. And I think the only other music subgenre that kind of can, you can kind of hint to is is hip-hop as well I, like i'm a big hip-hop fan and i see the I, I definitely see the mirror between punk and hip-hop and how they both came from uh social economic backgrounds of of, of music mm-hmm. especially in the uk i don't know about america but in the uk that's kind of how punk kind of became like i said i'm no good at answering questions I, i've kind of gone off on a tangent well, that, that has a absolutely answer. nothing that was a answer. Um, i'm impressed that you i'm impressed that you found it on your own and and use your money to keep buying albums. Usually people find it through friends, you know, like somebody introduces it to them and they kind of becomes part of their friend group or that kind of thing. So for you to find it totally on your own and go to the record store and keep buying it and, and that kind of thing, that that's interesting. That's cool. I think it is more that I was just kind of, I, I'm inquisitive by nature. And again, this is why I think I do the podcast. I was just really struck by the album cover and that, that interests me and i'm like well if the album cover looks like this what's a live show like and then i went to a live show and i and i was scared to fucking death because i'm a slim guy like i'm the tall guy but i'm a slim guy and there were some like meatheads skinheads and oh. i was just like what the fuck is this but that i don't know about you but 
like you kind of had that nervous energy. I'm gonna go in there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go into the pit. I'm gonna I'm gonna go bounce around and I may get hurt, but that's okay. Alive, right? Exactly. I mean, for you then, how how I'm always interested in people's first experiences of going to a show and seeing it play out. So like you see a little circle pit going, you see a mosh pit going and and kind of talking yourself up to get yeah. involved. I mean, what, what was your process? You know, this is so sad, but I'm too old to remember. <laughs> I don't remember. I remember going to some shows in high school, but I don't know which ones they were or which bands. It was for me, it wasn't like I went to my first show and it was super memorable. That's, I just don't have that. I don't have that memory of that. Mm. I, I remember going to lots of shows pretty young. So I don't really remember that. I do remember going to my first warp tour and being like, Oh my God, all my favorite bands are right here in my backyard. Like that. I remember that feeling so special and feeling like, you know, you have to get your schedule, you have to write down your schedule and which <laughs> bands are going to see at two o'clock and then which band you're going to see at two 30 and which band you're going to see at three o'clock at what stage. And I remember that being really, really special, but my first show yeah, I don't remember. And I've never been a, I've never been an in the pit girl. I've been a dance around, like kind of dance, but no, I can't get in the pit. Like I'm way too old for that now. And I am way too small. I'm five, two, and I'm a tiny little girl. And there, I just, I've known from day one, like a, there, I am not going in a no effects pit. Like there's no fucking way. Um, and I also like to watch the show. I like to really engage with it and see I watch every single move and every single thing that's going on on the stage. So I usually like to be stage left or stage right mm -hmm. or up in a balcony even if they're not too far away. I like to just watch almost like a like I'm watching a play or something. Like I I just like to watch every single thing that they're doing. Absolute favorite bands. Uh see, this is this is such a hard question because I know that's everyone, why I didn't put a number on it. Everyone kind of evolves, don't they? Like, with, yeah. like No Effects will always be the band who I fell in love with, so they will always be up there. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a... Alkaline Trio. I've always had like a, a proper emo affection to. So I would probably put Alkaline Trio, but I'm a big fan of like Dan Andriano's solo work, like Dan, Dan Andriano in the Emergency Room is like his two albums that he's put together are fantastic. Um, Frank Turner is someone who um, I used to love his other band, Million Dead. So when he started doing his solo work, I was really interested in that. And I think he's grown as, I mean, the, the dude fucking played the 2020, uh, 2012 Olympics. So like he, he's done all right for himself. Um, uh, and, but like recently I've been digging uh, Jeff Rosenstock. I, I think he's probably the most punk out there at the moment, really being 
using his platform to have a message there who else uh, distillers was always a band i love and Brody doll like solo work i always kind of really enjoyed as well um i also like bands that wouldn't be classed under punk but i think have like punk ethoses as well so like run the jewels for me are a band who have a huge punk ethos but would be under the term hip-hop Johnny Cash for me is a huge punk, but is just not under the the the, the banner. How about yourself? I've I've heard in interviews that you're a huge Bad Religion fan, face to face, and also Bouncing Souls, which three bands who are pretty fucking cool in my opinion. Those are those are three of my favorites for sure. Um, Jessica's number one is face to face, always has been, always will be, and people kind of lump me in with that, and they they're like, "Oh, face to face is your favorite band," and I'm like, "Well." They're up there. They're not number one, but they're they're up there. By proxy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and no effects also um, up there. Mill and Colin up there. Um, I, I just, I love, even, even Pennywise, I would say. I just, I love that California skate punk kind of vibe. Tony Hawk's PlayStation. Tony Hawk's yeah, yeah. Skater. yeah. Yeah. I grew up on that soundtrack for sure all that stuff i've always wanted to get tony hawk so if you do ever meet the guy please pass him my way because i think it'd be a fascinating interview um for for me i i even the creator of tony hawks i'd love to speak to them because i think it's one of the i'm I'm, I'm, i am a computer i enjoy playing games and um it's one of those games that really did have an impact on a music genre and um did he did he have a say in selecting those that music don't know yeah, I, I know. I know he enjoys punk. Like he yeah. spoke. I've, I've heard in interviews he's talked about punk. So I wouldn't be surprised if he had some say into it. But yeah. there is a documentary called Superman, which is about Tony Hawk's and how the music has influenced like the the the, the huge nineties punk uh, wave into the, the the mainstream. Yeah, it's called obviously from Goldfinger Superman. The Goldfinger song, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, Moving away from that, though, I'm kind of interested to talk a little bit more about Mabel Syndrome and and its um, its ethos of uh, punk rock for women. So when you were younger and you were growing up, did you feel like there wasn't a place for, for women to go and talk to other women? Or was it, that was a huge fucking fly, whatever that was. <laughs> you see that? <laughs> I just got bombed by a huge fly. Yeah. Um, like, was that something that was in your mindset of like, why why am i going to gigs with women or were you i don't don't know no i mean that's why we started it is because i've always been the girl with the guys so i've always just been one of the guys playing tony hawk whether it was skateboarding whether it was snowboarding um going to shows i was literally the only girl with all the guys and so it took until i was like in my 30s when all of my guy friends kind of started dropping off the planet because they were having babies, they were getting married, they were, they couldn't go to shows anymore. And I decided I needed more women friends that I could relate to. And it it wasn't until I met Jessica online and I was like, Oh my God, she's smart. She's pretty. She's fun. She's funny. She has all these qualities. Like we would be best friends if we lived a little closer to each other. And I was like, if she's out there, then other women must be out there that I can relate to. Um, and it, it wasn't until I was in my thirties that that happened. And, and that's when we started Mabel syndrome and I started meeting all these women around the world. And that's the, the, the worst part about Mabel syndrome is that all of my best friends now live all around the world and I never get to see anybody. Um, 
so that's, you know, a major bummer about it, but yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't have any female uh, friends that I could go to shows with and, and that kind of thing growing up. So that, that was the precipice. That was the reason why we wanted to start Mabel syndrome. Do you think that mind frame has changed then? Cause maybe it's like an element of the times that you're in, but like now, do you think that there is a lot more kind of young 20 year old women who are like, I, I don't need a guy to go to a show with like, this is going to sound like a douchey question, but as in like, because I, I asked this because I, there's some fantastic organizations in the UK called Safer Gigs for Women, which is basically focusing on protecting women when they go to shows. Yeah. And I asked some of my friends who I, I'm 37 now. So I asked some of my friends who I used to go show with, who, who were girlfriends. And I asked them, like, would you have gone to shows if I wasn't going as well? And they were like, no, like, we, we just wouldn't because we wouldn't feel safe. And I, I found that really interesting because i was like why didn't you just talk to me like why did why didn't you have this conversation about what might happen going to a gig if you just happen to be a woman and they, they their answer was i just we just didn't want to kill your buzz like you go to a show you leave us like to hang out i mean like i wouldn't have feared for them because they can defend themselves but it was just interesting having that conversation with them Whereabouts? I think now, if you have that conversation with women, I, I think I would have got a completely different answer. I, I don't really know what my an- my question is there, but I'm kind of <laughs> interested well, to get your mindset well, on it. Yeah, I don't I don't know what your question was, and I don't know if this will answer it. But um, one of my favorite pieces of feedback that I get about Mabel syndrome is when women write me and say, "I went to a show by myself," and I love hearing that because a lot of times we, we kind of, like I said, we lose our friends to getting married and having kids and people are busy and you want to go to the show, but you don't want to go by yourself really either because I, and knock on wood, I've been so lucky at shows. I haven't had anything. I haven't been groped or touched or anything like that at a show, but a lot of my girlfriends have. And so I always went to shows by myself. I didn't feel particularly uh, frightened or, or that kind of thing. I've always been a, I, you know, like, I don't know. I, I, I just, overly optimistic, I guess. Um, but I know a lot of women that didn't feel comfortable going to shows by themselves. And then for them to hear that I go to shows by myself made them feel like they could, and they're not missing out on some of their favorite bands. And Mm -hmm. so that's been one of the, my favorite pieces of feedback that I've gotten is from women saying, I wasn't going to go because none of my guy friends were going, but I decided to go anyways by myself. And I had an amazing time. This woman told me about she absolutely loved the band Pup and she went and saw them and she talked to them. She's like, I talked to them and she just had the most amazing night. And she wrote me this long message about it and I'll never forget it. It was one of my favorite messages I've ever gotten because she never, she's like, I wouldn't have even gone had I not heard that you go by yourself sometimes and know that it's okay to go by myself. Um, women have to be careful and we have to look out for each other. So you gotta, Yeah. I'm not going to say much more about that, but you definitely got to look out for each other. And, and guys, there's a lot more guys can do too at a show to make sure that women are comfortable and make sure that the guy that's talking to them is their friend or somebody that they're comfortable with. You know, you can make eye contact with a woman. You don't like you just said, which is perfect. Like maybe they don't need your help Hmm. and that's great. But just making eye contact with, with a woman at a show or any, anybody that maybe seems uncomfortable at a show 
and just making eye contact with them and just being like, you okay, dude, you okay? Or, you know, hey girl, you okay? Um, can make a huge difference. Do you think there's more than within this thing that we could do to, to kind of really focus attention on this? Because there, there has been horror stories that have obviously come out about bands and artists that have abused their position or, or going to a show where some woman has, has crowd surfed and some dudes decided that this is his opportunity to cop a feel. Like, I, I think the very macho thing to say is like, if you see that happening, you punch him in the side of the face. Right. I'm not about violence. Like, I, I, like, I'd rather grab that guy and get him fucking out the venue. Like, and instead of both of you getting kicked out just because you've punched him in the side of the face. What do you think like podcasts like myself and other podcasts or other blogs can, can do to kind of raise this issue? Because I think it is a conversation that still is a taboo subject matter. I don't think it is on yours because you, you do talk quite frankly about it or you've had people come in and talk quite frankly about it. But for me, it's not something that I would... It wouldn't be on my list of questions to talk about. And that could be ignorance on my part just because of who I am like as, as a guy. It's just not something that I've I've witnessed or saw or, or been a part of. So, I mean, I'm asking you to speak for all women now. <laughs> No problem. No problem. Um, I'll just ask you to speak for all men. I'm on it. I'm on it. I've got them all <laughs> in my WhatsApp group. It's literally don't be a dick and don't show your dick. That is my I, uh, my my WhatsApp. That's message. a really good one. Yeah. One of, another favorite conversation I had with a with a guy friend was just about this exact thing, and I was making it known to him. He he and he was being very honest. He's like, I didn't know that girls got drugged at shows. I didn't know that girls got groped at shows. He's like, my friends are nice people. I think I'm a nice person. So I don't think about that possibly happening. It's not in my awareness, um, which was a really, which was a really great thing to say, but also making it part of your awareness is, is what matters. So just having these conversations and like I said, just being mindful of the people that you're around at shows, obviously picking them up when they fall down and making sure that they're okay. And if a woman's crying, check maybe check with her you know just kind of being a, a nice human um but also knowing that these things do happen is part of it mm. so talking about it and being open and honest and women being open and honest about their experiences i think i posted something on mabel syndrome like maybe a year ago or so that and i said um you know put the put the hands up emoji if you've ever been inappropriately touched or groped at a show and it was, I put a man and a woman so that, and cause it can happen to anybody. Yeah. Um, and the number of people, I mean, it was so many people responded with just their hand up, you know, you don't have to share exactly what happened, but just like, yes, I was touched inappropriately at a show and it made me feel uncomfortable. So just knowing that that stuff happens out there, then we can address it. Um, and I would say, you know, if a woman, let's say a woman, let's say something happens and, and a woman is very made very uncomfortable by a man at a show. Yeah. I would probably go right to the staff and try to have that man taken out of the show. Hmm. I always say like, if I'm crowd surfing and some guy touches me inappropriately, I'm going crowd surfing up to the band. I'm going to grab the microphone and get that motherfucker out of the, out of the venue. Like, I, I don't know, I guess you gotta, you gotta speak up and you gotta look out for your fellow punk rockers that are at the show. 100 percent. we've been talking for an hour and a bit now so i'm very aware of your time and i don't want to uh overuse it i mean so kind of my final question to you then really is what's been the most surprising thing for you that's come from this endeavor 
that you that you've kind of created that is Mabel syndrome? Yeah, I think just just the amount that it's grown and all the amazing women that I've met. When I first started it, I thought, okay, I've met Jessica. Maybe we'll meet like four or five other really rad girls and have fun and and you know, maybe someone I can go to a show with or whatever. But the amount of amazing men, amazing women, um, just humans in general that that we've met through this through this. I, n- I never imagined I would meet so many amazing people. Um, so that's what's truly stood out to me is, is, you know, and I'm, I'm learning, I'm learning from people every day. And yeah, I would just say the amount of amazing women and men that I've met through this. What about you? What do you like about doing punks and pups? Uh, what I enjoy, I, I enjoy talking to people and finding out about their world. If I'm honest, um, I, I think everyone has a story and it's just trying to find that story. And that intrigues, that intrigues me. Um, and I, I, I like, yeah, I just enjoy going down a rabbit hole and finding stuff out. So like something that I'm really big into talking about is mental health. And mm-hmm. it's it's really interesting to hear how other people have dealt with mental health or have suffered from mental health. And having those conversations and knowing that by having that conversation, you could be possibly helping someone. But yeah, it is... It's, it's getting to talk to people like yourself, if I'm honest. It's, it's also like, even though I've resisted talking to other people from podcasts, um, mm. I, I think it's fascinating to hear how other people go at it. So yeah. for that, I'm very thankful that you've given, given up your time to speak to me how you see how i did a link there it was yeah that was that was a great oh, transition oh it was it good was, transition i know <laughs> <laughs> i've ruined it now with my own self-satisfaction but yeah. uh no seriously thank you so much for your yeah no thank you very much as always so we, play a song. we play a song at the end of our interview so and we let our guests choose which song so do you have a favorite song you can think of just oh, go, mate. like no pressure. Uh, okay, uh, just because I'm on a Jeffrey Roy, uh, Jeff Roy, Rosenstock um, at the moment. Um, anything off his new album? Just, just pick. I mean, I oh fuck, okay. come on. Uh, okay. I like I said, my 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 brain goes to mush if anyone asks me a question. I'm like, it's hard. It is hard. No, that's good. That's some good direction. And then I'll just pick a random one. That's yeah. good. And we haven't played any of his of him. So. Oh, there you go again i've said bye and thank you about five times so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna, I'm just gonna hit stop wow, yeah i'm you. just gonna hit stop again thank you again <laughs> i've been told for most my life wait until the perfect time by people who have been defined by stiff spots in line don't you want to Thank you so much to Kristen for taking the time to hang out and have a drink and talk some podcast and punk rock. If you'd like to know more about Mabel Syndrome, there is a link in the episode description of this podcast. Go click on it and discover some fantastic work by women in punk rock now let's try and flog you some stuff i have some t-shirts to sell you they're limited stock now just head on over to our social sites twitter facebook instagram at punks and pubs or you can also click the link in the episode description and go pick up yourself a t-shirt thank you to the band what makes sense for sponsoring this episode make sure you go show them some love by again a link to go and hear more about that band in the episode description 
of this podcast. Go support the scene. That's it for this week. It's good to be back. I will see you in a couple. Stay safe. Goodbye. Woo!